0: Welcome to the Hope City Church Podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. Wasn't last week's five for five good? Who was here last week? Those guys all did an amazing job. And I was talking to somebody this week, and they said, you know what's so great about having those five-for-fives? He said, it's like um, like a thermometer that you can stick in a turkey to see the temperature of what's happening inside the body at large. And he said, you could see that by what those people were speaking about, that they are catching what the Spirit of God is saying. And it's not just, they're not just sharing about their hopes and dreams and, and riding rainbows and unicorns, but they are hearing what the Spirit of God is saying. And I actually want to pick up, I was thinking about what Jacob was saying, and then I added that to a conversation that me and had had this week. If you remember when Jacob was talking, there was a point when Jacob was talking about everybody is walking at different speeds in their relationship with God. Do you remember that? Do you remember saying that? And it's true. We all do walk at different speeds. Some of us are running. Some of us are jogging. Some of us are uh, walking with a walker. Some of us are crawling. And we're all moving ahead. And then I was having a conversation with Jen this week. And I began to think about the pain that we all experience in life. And today what I want to talk about is living life beyond the pain. So many times in life, I was thinking about Jacob's illustration about we're all moving forward, we're all going at different speeds. Um, but there's things in life that define us all. Right? We all have defining moments in life. And I told you about a book that I was reading early last year called... Um, something about the moment. I can't remember the exact title. Power of Moments, that's right, by a guy, I think his name is Chip Ingram. And in that book, he talked about how, if you think about it, some of you, like you guys, won't understand this yet because you're living in this age right now. But those of us who are older and have have more life behind us, when you look back on your life, you have a lot of memories and a lot of memories imprinted in you that are from a time in your life when you're young, in your teens, in your preteens, in your early 20s. And that's because, they say, that's because when you have and experience a lot of the firsts in your life, when you have a lot of those defining moments at those ages in your life, they get imprinted in who you are. And we have these defining moments Uh, And they can be either good or bad defining moments, right? You can have your first crush, getting your driver's license, getting married, having your first child, buying a home, buying your first car. All these things are defining moments in your life that you can look back on. There's also defining moments in your life that can be terribly hard and demoralizing. Things that people have done to you. Hurts that people have put upon you. Words that people have said to you, over you, or about you. That cut you deep and try to define you. But today, we're going to talk about living life beyond the pain. Because here's what happens. In those moments, the enemy comes along and tries to tell you that those things are true. That whatever that hurt that was done to you, that you deserved Or that person is right about what they said. Or those feelings you have about yourself. You deserve to feel that way. You'll never be like those other people. You'll never measure up. You'll never be as attractive. You'll never be as cool. You'll never get it right. You're always going to do it wrong. Why do you do things wrong all the time? The enemy comes along and tries to say... Those are true. Those are accurate. And a lot of people allow those to become defining moments in their life that cause them to pause, stop, and stand still, and they quit moving forward. But I'm here to tell you today that that's not God's best for you. That's not God's desire for us. God doesn't want you to believe the lies of the enemy. God doesn't want you to believe the lies of people. God doesn't want you to use or to let the words that people have spoken over you, those lies, he doesn't want you to allow those things into your heart, causing you to stop and quit moving forward. Am I making sense? And I want to be careful how I talk about this today, because I understand pain can be real. I understand pain. I have pain in my life. Jen has pain in her life. We haven't not experienced pain. We have endeavored to live our lives moving beyond the pain and not allowing that pain to define us. And I think a lot of us in the world, in the church and outside of the church, have allowed the things that people have done to us to define us. They become defining moments in our life. And if you're not careful, if we're not careful, we won't move past them in fullness. It's like it becomes a badge of honor in some way that we carry with us everywhere we go. And I want to tell you, God wants to take that baggage off of you. Because those are lies of the enemy. Most hurt you feel in your life and most hurt you experience in your life is going to be at the hands of other people. Things that other people are going to do to you. Things they're going to say to you, they're going to leave you, they're going to betray you, they're going to hurt your heart in ways that you wish they never would. They're going to talk about you, they're going to say mean mean things to you, but you have to purpose to not let those things find a home in your heart. And you have to begin to move around them and move beyond them where you don't pick them up and put them in your backpack and wear them them around and carry them through life. But you choose to give them to Jesus and say, here, and you walk forward without that. I want to look at a section of scripture with you. It's Luke chapter 15. And it's the story of the prodigal son. And we're going to look at this from a different angle. For context, Jesus is being chastised by the Pharisees because he's hanging out with people who are sinners in their eyes. And so he begins to tell some parables to them about the importance of people in the kingdom of God. And in chapter 15, verse 11... It starts off and says, to illustrate this point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth up between his sons. And a few days later, this younger son packed up all of his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all of his money in wild living. And about that time, the money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, in verse 17 it says, he said to himself, at home even the hired servants have enough food to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I'm going to go home to my dad and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. I'm going to pause here for a second. And today, I want to look at this parable from the dad's standpoint. Now, I know this is, a story that Jesus is using to illustrate a larger principle, but it's still a story that we can personally identify with. You can put yourself in the place of the father. The dad's got two boys. and The one boy says, I want my money. I want my inheritance. So the dad gives him his money. And the Bible says a couple days later, the son packs everything up, and hikes off to a distant land to go spend his money and live like a crazy man. In wild living, it says. The implication is, is that the son went to go do everything that he couldn't do because his dad wouldn't let him. So he moved away to a place where his dad wasn't watching over him anymore and couldn't stop him from having all the fun he wanted to have. Let's think about the dad for a minute. Let's think about how that dad must have felt because this is before cell phones. This is before Facebook, before Instagram, before email, before mail mail. And when somebody moved away, they were gone from your life. So here we have a dad whose son takes his inheritance and leaves. Could you imagine how broken-hearted this dad must have been for his son to take the money, pack up all of his stuff and hike off to a faraway place where his dad may never see him again? where he has no idea what is happening to his boy. He doesn't know if his son is alive or dead. He doesn't know if his son is doing well or if his son is totally busted and broke, living and feeding the pigs. He's got no idea. Can you picture yourself in that position? Can you imagine how you would feel? Have you ever had somebody turn their back on you? Have you ever had somebody cause you so much pain and hurt? I want to show you something here. The boy comes to his senses. We just read that. And then in verse 20, it says this. After he came to his senses, he returns home to his dad. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. This dad didn't give up hope on his son. He didn't allow the pain that his son caused him to define him. I imagine, if you look at this, it says, while he was still a long way off, the boy didn't show up at the house and ring the doorbell and catch the dad unaware. There was something inside of the Father that continually caused him to look beyond that pain, to live life past the pains and the hurts, and to have hope that his son would return. I want to tell you today that whatever you've walked through, whatever you're dealing with, whatever has happened in your life, do not let it define you. Because there is hope on the other side of that through Jesus Christ if you will just keep looking to the horizon. I imagine the dad is out there working in the field. He's got his old hoe out there and he's like digging in the dirt with it. And I imagine he's working and he's working and he's working, working, working. But I imagine every, every so often in my mind it stops wipes his brow, takes a break, and he's looking because he has hope in his heart that the wrong that was done to him will be righted, that that pain that he endured, the pain that he felt would be repaired. And I'm here to tell you today the pains and the hurts that you feel in your life. Jesus repaired for you when he went to the cross. Let's go to Luke chapter 4 for a minute. Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 18. This is Jesus talking. And You know, just, just before this, in chapter 3, this isn't leaving my heart, so I'm going to say this. Because maybe somebody needs to hear it. Just before this, in chapter 3, is when Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River. You know this story as well as I do, probably. John the Baptist says, I shouldn't baptize you. You should be baptizing me. And Jesus says, no, you've got to baptize me. This is the way it should be done. So they go down to the river. John, his cousin, dunks Jesus in the water. The Bible says when Jesus comes up out of the water, a dove, the heavens open up, and a dove descends onto Jesus. And there's an audible voice that says this, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And I think somebody needs to hear this today because of this. Maybe you've never realized this, but at that point, Jesus hadn't done anything yet. Jesus hadn't started his public ministry yet. Jesus hadn't done any miracles yet. Jesus hadn't healed anybody yet. All Jesus had done to that point was live his life and seek God. What we know about Jesus up to this point is that he was miraculously conceived. And when he was 12 years old, he ran away from his mom and dad. And they found him at church, sitting at the feet of the scholars, listening and asking questions. And they said, Jesus, what are you doing? He's like, I had to be about my father's business. Why are you looking for me? They said, come home. And Jesus says, okay. And he gets up and he goes home. the Bible says he increased in wisdom and favor with man and with God. And up to that point, that's what we know about what Jesus was doing. And here's what maybe somebody needs to hear. You don't have to do anything for God to be well pleased with you. God isn't sitting in heaven with some cosmic checklist waiting to check off things before he says, okay, now I like you. Now I can, Andre's finally done this. I can finally say I'm pleased with Andre. No. Before Jesus had done a single thing, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. I don't know what people have said to you. I don't know the lies they've spoken over you. I don't know the hurts they've caused you. I don't know the things that they've cut upon you and put inside of your heart. But here's what I do know, that God is well-pleased with you. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. This is Jesus talking. He's been in the wilderness for 40 days. He's come out of the wilderness. The Bible says in the power of... Of the Spirit. And he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released. He's not talking about people in jail. He's not saying I'm going to go to Kent prison, and because I'm Jesus, the gates are going to open up, and everybody in Kent prison is going to get to go free. He's talking about people that are held captive by hurts and pains, and lies, and blind eyes, and hardened hearts. That the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free. And that the time of the Lord's favor has come. There is a scripture in Isaiah chapter 10, this is the New Living Translation. Verse 27 says this. In that day, the Lord will end the bondage of his people, and he will break the yoke of slavery and lift it from their shoulders. In that day, the Lord will end the bondage of his people, and he will break the yoke of slavery and lift it from his shoulders. I believe believe the way that we live life beyond the pain. And I can can hear you in my spirit with all of the yeah buts. Yeah, but you don't know how bad it was. Yeah, but you don't know how how hard-hearted my spouse is. Yeah, but you don't know what it was like every night when that door would open and my dad or my whoever would come in the room. Yeah, but you don't know what this person said to me. Yeah, but you don't know every day that I went to school and had to deal with that bully. Yeah, but you don't know the pain that I felt from that car crash. Yeah, but you don't know this. And yeah, but you don't know that. And you're right, I don't know. But I do know who does know. And I also know that he took all of that for you on the cross. We just read who Jesus said he was. This is why I've come. I believe that God is wanting to do something today. In January, God said it is a year of breakthrough in a year of defeating the Giants. and We've talked about this off and on throughout the year. And I believe there are Giants that have dogged some of us this year for the last two years. For the last five years, for the last 10 years, for the last 12 years, for 13 years, you've been dealing with some of these things. For 22 years, you've been dealing with some of these things. For 34 years, you've been dealing with some of these things. For 43 years, these giants have been dogging you, and I'm here to tell you that God wants to break these things off. Let me show you this scripture in the New King James. It says this should come to pass in the day that this burden, that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck. And the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. There's a saying, it's a summation of this verse, primarily in the Pentecostal and charismatic churches. It says this, the anointing breaks the yoke of bondage. Maybe you didn't hear what I said. I said, that the anointing breaks the yoke of bondage. There are things in your life. See, in this verse, a yoke was a piece of wood that was used to put two cows or oxen together and cause them to do work. This is a big piece of wood that went cross both of their shoulders, and it was a burden on them because they would have to pull these big carts. They would have to move things around, and they couldn't do the things they wanted to do because somebody was controlling them. There are people in this room today that are walking around with burdens and weights that they should not be carrying, that God does not want you to carry, and that Jesus Christ went to the cross and destroyed for you. But in our own deception, in our own fear, and in our own... uh, ability to define ourselves, we are continuing sometimes to carry these things around. And God is saying, I want you to put those down. I want to break those things off of you. Amen. And he says, the anointing breaks the yoke of bondage. I want you to stand up with me. Thanks so much for joining us today.